a podcast now, so if you want to go there and check us out on the podcast, that's, uh, go to the iTunes, and it's Grace Family Worship, Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Can you hear me out there? Yeah. You good? You good? All right, let's start off with prayer. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for this message you give me, Lord. I thank you for all that you've poured into my heart this week, Lord. I thank you for this congregation of the people, Lord. And I pray that you would just soften our hearts today, Lord. Prepare us to receive from you, Lord. I pray that your word would come forth, Father God, with none of me in it, Father God, but all of you, Father God. And that you would just speak to us, Lord, what you would have us know today, Lord. That you would cause your word to get down inside of us, Lord, and, and, and change our lives today, Father God. And change our minds, Father God. And Lord, I pray that we come forth uh, uninterrupted by any satanic spirit, Lord, any foul spirits, Father God. We command you to flee right now in the name of Jesus and foul spirits. Lord, we thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. In the Bible, there's a story of a boy named Joseph, right? Everybody knows who Joseph is. Some of you may not, so I'm going to tell the story. So Joseph with a coat of many colors. He was his father's favorite. Everybody know that? He was his daddy's favorite his daddy's favorite son, so his brothers were a little jealous. His dad had made up this coat, and it was a beautiful coat. It had many colors on it. They didn't have a lot of colorful material back in the day, so for him to have a coat of many colors, that was a, that was a pretty great thing for him. So his brothers plotted to kill him. They, they were jealous, and they plotted to kill him, but one of his brothers came along and said, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. Right, y'all follow with me, check with me. So, so uh, he ended up going, uh, wound up in, in Egypt. Joseph wound up in Egypt, and he found favor in the eyes of the Lord there because of the Lord. He found favor there, and he ended up, he wound up being second in command. I'm, I'm, par- I'm going to go through this a lot of this real quickly because I'm, I'm going somewhere with it. I just want you to have the background of it. So he ended up being second in command of all of Egypt, second to only Pharaoh, and there ended up being a famine in the land. So his brother or his father sent his brothers. To buy Joseph, to buy food from Joseph, because he was second in command over all the land, and he was in charge of selling the food and, and divvying it up, and who got what. So, so his father, he unknowingly, sent his brothers to buy food from Egypt. But when he got there, they found out it was his brother that his dad thought was dead for all these years. So, um, uh, ended up. They found favor that the whole family did. The Pharaoh told him, go ahead and get your dad, move your family in. So they went and got, he went and got his father, sent for his fathers, and, and brought the whole family back there. And they all lived there in peace, and, they, and it, was a, it was a great, prosperous time. This was the beginning of Israel now, right? You all understand that? It was the beginning of Israel. So that Pharaoh passed away, Joseph passed away, and Israel became, it wound up like some 400 years later, I think, <coughs> right, Brother Jim? He was 400 years, they were in Egypt, and he passed away, and... and, and Everybody forgot the favor that, that, that Joseph had with the Pharaoh, so uh, they wound up being slaves. They were in slavery to Egypt. So uh, the people cried out to God and, and asked God to save them from this, this terrible hardship they were suffering, and, and God called on Moses. God called Moses to go there and, and, and speak to the Pharaoh and bring the people out. Moses didn't have to physically bring the people out, but he had to go in front of, he had to be obedient to God. Are you following? He had to be obedient to God. He had to go in front of the Pharaoh, in front of the Pharaoh, and say, "Let my people go." He spoke to he spoke to Moses through a burning bush, right? An audible voice through a burning through a burning bush. So, um, through a series of events, chain of events, plagues, um, they they left Egypt, and the Pharaoh's heart was hardened again after the after the, all the Israelites were out. There was something like one point five to two million Israelites that had left Egypt and plundered Egypt on their way out. God had them borrow something from everybody. So they, they took gold and jewels and, and all the things they took out of Egypt without even a fight. Egypt didn't even put up a fight. God just handed all these things to, to Israel. So um, so he, he the, 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 Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Can you tell I'm nervous today? 
Mm -hmm. Stutter a little bit. It'll be all right. I'll calm down in a minute. We'll go ahead and preach. It'll be good. It's not what I can do today anyway. It's what God can do in your heart. Right. right? God's looking to change some people's lives today, including mine. So, so I hope you're prepared for this. Right? I hope yes. you're. I hope you're ready to receive from this. Receive from God, not from me. I'm, I'm only a man that God called on in the month of stutter too, right? So right. I'll get past my nerves here a little bit. It'll all be right. So, so uh, when they left Egypt. Uh, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and the army came in behind him. It was a mighty army that Egypt had came in behind him. And God said, put forth your staff, put his staff forward. He spread, God spread the Red Sea. The Israelites went across it, right? The Egyptians followed in behind him. The sea crashed back on top of him, killed the whole army, killed the Pharaoh, killed, killed, killed all of them. God provided manna. All they had to do was go out and pick up the bread off the ground every morning, manna, to pick it up and eat it. Can you imagine feeding two million people all the bread just laying on the ground in the morning? Then they complained about that. They murmured about that. So God said, all right, then you're going to have quail until it runs out of your nose. Now, each person could eat three or four or five quail, right? So can you imagine enough quail running across the ground that they could just pick them up, that you could feed two million people with it until they, were, until they vomited, the Bible says. They ate so much until they vomited. God provided all these things for them. He, it says their shoes never wore out. It says they had cool, not just not just water, but they had cool water that came from a rock that followed them around. Can you imagine a rock that can provide enough water for two million people that stayed cool all the time in the desert? Wow. In the wilderness? Picture this. This is what God had provided for these people. This is what he provided those people, yet Israel complained. A trip that could have taken them eight days to walk from Egypt into the promised land. It could have taken them eight days. It took them 40 years. That whole generation had to die off because of their, of their murmuring and complaining. I'm going somewhere with all this. They remember, I'm still talking about spiritual walls. So, ended up, God told Moses to pick 12 spies out, have 12 spies go into the promised land to see what it's like because you're getting ready to go there and, and, and overtake it, right? This is before it took them the 40 years. So, they went in and spied all the land. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that came back with a good, with a good report. They said, God told us we could take it. We can take it. We can take it. It's already ours because God's already promised us this promised land. It belongs to us because God said so. Yeah. But the other ten came back and talked about giants in the land. There were giants in the land. There's no way we could take it. They've got big walls, big fortified cities with giants in them. And they were carrying a picture of this now. They were carrying one bundle of grapes that took two men to carry it on a pole. This is how big the grapes were in this promised land. These giants were growing over there. Are you following? Wow. Yeah. But Joshua and Caleb still came back with a good report. Even seeing what they saw, a lot of times we're swayed by what we see, right? Yeah. Even seeing what they saw, even seeing what they saw, they still said, God's already given it to us. It belongs to us. We can go in there and take it. Let's take it. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah. Israel got so mad at them, they wanted to stone them. They wanted to kill them over this. So we're giving a good report over believing in what God had told them belonged to them. They wanted to kill them. They wanted to kill them over this. So... During this 40, 40 years, <clears throat> this next 40 years, the whole generation died off except Joshua and Caleb. I'm just still laying the background for you right now. The whole generation died off except uh, Joshua and Caleb. They're the only ones out of these people who got to go over to the promised land, right? Joshua actually got to lead the people. So Moses' last address to the people before Joshua was about to take over. God had called Joshua to take over, just like he had called Moses. Was in, This is just a piece of it. You have to go back and read Deuteronomy 9 if you want to read the whole thing. I'm going to read you two verses that kind of sums the whole, the whole conversation up. That's what God had told Moses to say to Israel. So it's Deuteronomy 9, 6, and 7. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness for you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> remember, not 
Do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God with wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. You've been rebellious. Think about all the things that God's given us. It's not because of our righteousness, right? But they were rebellious against the Lord. His anger burned against them because they were rebellious. Rebellious means disobedient. You ever been disobedient to God? Yes. All of you have. I have. Everybody's been disobedient to God. The Spirit's spoken something to you. You haven't done it. You read something in His Word that you haven't done. Either you haven't done it or He told you to do something and you haven't stepped out on that. Right? So this a rebellion... Uh, it, it, or disobedience long enough leads to rebellion. So rebellion is an uprising or an organized opposition uh, intended to, to change or overthrow the ruling authority. So when we get into rebellion, we're wanting to change or overthrow God's authority in our lives. So you follow me? And we know that we can't overthrow God, but, but it's an act or show of, of defiance towards authority. We don't want to be in that. We don't want to be in those shoes. I don't want to be in those shoes. Disobedience left alone long enough will become rebellion. An open display of rebellion against God. When he tells you either in his word or with his spirit to do something or not to do something. Here's an example. God said to do, and Moses began telling him all the reasons he couldn't do it. All the reasons, God, this is a bad idea. I stutter when I speak. I'm not a bold man. I can't do this job you're telling me to do. Is that disobedience? You ever been in those shoes? I have been. I ran when God called me to preach. I ran as hard as I could run. I, I thought I was getting way out there. I was 1,500 miles from home. And all the time I realized I was in the palm of God's hand. He knew right where I was at the whole time. You can't run from God. So Moses began to let God know why it was a bad idea. God's anger burned against Moses. This was disobedience. If, what if Moses hadn't done what he told him to do, though? What if Moses wouldn't have went ahead and said, okay, I'll go, God. What if he had it? It would have became rebellion against God, right? It would have became rebellion, defiance towards God's authority. He would have been defying God's authority. So let's look at the parallels in this, in this scripture here between them and us. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land. Where do we live? America. The only country in the nation that I know of that can raise enough food to feed all the people. They have fuel that we can drive our cars. We don't have want or need. We have steel. We have we have valuable, precious metals. We don't want or need really anything from any of the countries. No. We do barter and trade with them. And I don't understand for the life of me how a country who has everything in the palm of their hand, everything that God's given to us, can be in debt to a country who can't raise enough grain to feed your people. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah. But he goes on to say this. He says, therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. You're a stiff-necked people. You're not here. You're not called out of sin. You're not called to sit in this church because of what you did. No. You're called to sit here. You're called to be in a relationship with God because of what he did yeah. and what his son's done. Amen. Because of his love for us. Not anything that you've done. Not anything that I've done. Remember, do not forget how you provoke the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. We live in the wilderness right now, do we not? Yes. Look at the world that's going around, the society that we live in. Yeah. It's a wild place out there. Yes. all the time, Sister Mary just talked about. It's a wild place out there. Yeah. But still we revoke, we, we were provoking God to wrath against us because the church is just as guilty as the world so many times. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just as guilty as the world as being disobedient to God. We might think we're better a lot of times. 
And sometimes we, we may be in a better position. Most of the time we're in a better position. But, but we still mess up. We still get in, in disobedience to God. From that day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. What he says to them. And I see so many parallels in that in us. Egypt represents sin, I believe, in this picture. You can look at it this way. Why were they there in Egypt to start with? Think about it. Why was Joseph in Egypt? His brothers lied to their dad. They were plotting to kill murder against the brother. They ended up selling him into slavery. So wouldn't you agree that it was because of sin that Joseph was even there in the first place? Yes. It was because of their, it was because of our sin that we were in the position that we were in. I believe in the story that Egypt, for us, Egypt represents the sin. And God brought us out of the sin when he saved us, when he sent his son to die on the cross, that we could be reconciled back to him. Amen. He brought us out of that. Yet we're still being rebellious to him. Yeah. We're still kicking and screaming and complaining about what we don't have. My kids do this all the time, especially my young ones. They'll be complaining about what they don't have instead of seeing what they do have. Yeah. Yeah. They live a very privileged lifestyle. You live a very privileged lifestyle. Yeah. Because of what God's brought us from. Yes. Yet we forget about that. And we want to complain about what we don't have. Right. What God hasn't given to us yet. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you this? The ball's in your court. Mm -hmm. The ball's in our court. God wants us to live in all the joy, all the peace, all the happiness, all the prosperity, all the, all the victory and all the power and all the authority that he's given to us. All that he's offered in this book, he wants you to have it. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah, and it's up to me. I'm getting off my notes now. So he, he gave them this good land. We have, we have this good land that we're living in. We have a freedom to be here at church on Sunday morning. You're free to come here without anybody shooting at you. Yeah. Yes. Nobody's going to cut your head off because you're carrying your Bible down the street when you leave here. Yeah. Are you following me? Yes. You're blessed because of that. The wilderness we live in is the, is the world of society. Uh, the stiff neck is rebellious people. <laughs> need I say more? Yeah. Do I need to say any more about this? Can you see the parallels there? Yes. So. He didn't call us out of sin to, uh, uh, to the promised land because we were holy, though. He called us right here, right now, at Grace Family Worship Center in Exalted Springs, Missouri. He called us here to have a relationship with us. Mm -hmm. He called us here so that we could be his servants. Yeah. He showed me this this week. I was trying to figure out how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that. And he said, you're here to be my servant. No more. No less. We are part of his family. He says we're adopted into his family. We're grafted into the vine. We're, we're all one body. But we're here to be a servant to him. Yes. We're here to serve God. Amen. If we push into him and do all those things, he will make you what he wants you to be. Yeah. That's what he spoke to me this week. I don't have to become what I think I need to be. I don't have to. Have you ever been responsible for feeding 50 people spiritually? It's a tall order a lot of times. It's overwhelming so many times. So many times. It's overwhelming. But I don't have to worry about that. God's got this. I don't have to have this. He'll make me what he wants me to be. He'll give me the words to put on these pages. He'll give me the, he'll quicken me at the time I need to give you the words. Yes. <clears throat> when we're gone, what will people think of you? Mm. We're all going to die. Yeah, right. What will people remember of you when you're gone? I hope, for me, I hope that they would say he was a servant of God. Yeah. That's the highest order, the tallest compliment I could ever receive is to say he was a servant of God. Anything else is going to fade away quickly. You can be rich. They'll forget you. Are you following? Yes. You can be famous. Mm -hmm. They'll forget you. You can be beautiful. 
they'll forget you. You can be strong, they'll forget you. But a servant of God affects people for generations. Do you Amen. get that? It's true. My pastor, my pastor is 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 retired today. He, he's preaching his last sermon as we speak. As we speak. But think about that's sad. I mean, it almost brought a tear to my eye when I thought about this morning. Don't cry, baby. But but think about the people he influenced. He influenced my life, and the, and this was. 25 years deep into his ministry. He influenced my life. What about all the people he influenced before that? Yeah. He influenced my life, which influenced my kids' life and down through the generations. Are you seeing me? Yeah. When you're a servant of God. And I'm here and have influence on your life, right. which will have influence on your kids' life, yeah. which will have influence down through generations. Yeah. Are you following? From being a servant, that's the highest honor you could have yeah. is to be a servant of God. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You have to serve God. Right. And whatever aspect that God gives you to serve him in, that's what we need to do the best of our ability. Yes. <clears throat> this week I was laying on the floor about right here. And, and I heard a truck or something outside and everything in me wanted to get up and go to look at the window. <laughs> and goes, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, You're sitting here and it's yeah. quiet and something loud happened. That truck sounded like it was right outside this glass. Yeah. I wanted to get up and go look at it. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, it doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what you hear. It doesn't matter what you feel like about it. You just keep doing what I called you to do. Yes. Church, we need to keep doing what God has called us to do. Amen. You all have jobs to do. Yes. I'm not talking about the little sign-up sheets we had when we first came here. I'm not talking about being teachers. Sometimes that may be it. I'm talking about some of you might cut the grass. Some of you might teach a class. Some of you might just be called to pray. Yes. Are you following me? Yes. I need somebody praying for me full-time, probably 10 or 15 of you. Some of you may just be called to pray. Do the best of your ability. Do it to the best of your ability. Whatever God's called you to do. Do it with whatever you have. Give all you have. Fast and pray about it. Even if it seems minute, even if it seems like a simple little job, fast and pray about that job. Yes. Ask God to make you better. And ask God to just do it through you. Yes. Not even to your ability, but above your ability, above your means. Mm -hmm. And he'll make it great. Yeah. He'll make it great. Even if it's something you don't do well, God will multiply your obedience. He'll multiply your job and your, and, and, your, and your actions because of your obedience. Because he calls you into that thing. <clears throat> we all want to grow the church. I've heard so many people talk about growing the church. And we think about numerically. I guarantee you that every one of you, when you think about growing the church, at one time or another, maybe not all the time, but at one time or another, when you think about growing the church, you talk about numerically. Because I've heard people say, we're going to have to buy this property over here and build another building. We're going to have to do this over here and build another building. That's what we think of when we think about growing the church. We think about numerically. But what about spiritually? What about spiritually? God showed me this week I was counting the chairs. There's 105 chairs in here, I believe. There's 75 in the front and 30 in the back, but you're missing 10 in the back today because I took them out because God gave me a good reason to take them out. You're going to see it in here a little bit. It's going to be a little bit awkward, but we're going to do it anyway. If you're ready for God to change your life, he will. Yeah. He will. Don't rely on me to change your life. Don't look to me to do it, but look to God to do it, and he will. If you come here expecting something from him today. So, so <clears throat> he showed me again this week that if you want to grow the church, take care of what you have. What he's already, not what we have because we went and got it, what he's already given to us. Just like the manna they picked up off the ground. You're here because God sent you here. Yeah. You're what we already have. We need to take care of what we already have. You need to take care of what we already have. What's holding us up? Us. Us, we're the ones holding up. See, it, it, you could you could get stuck in your brain trying to figure out how to put bodies in the church. We'd like to have 105 people in here. We'd like to have every seat filled in every service. That's what we think so many times. But what about here? What about filling up our spiritual man? Yeah. 
Right. What about with us being the most spiritual people in this town? Being the most spiritual people that our families have seen? <laughs> being the most spiritual people that our coworkers have seen? When we go to the restaurant today, after church, that the Spirit just shines through us. Amen. We won't have to worry about the 105 seats. God will fill the seats. Mm -hmm. we got to fill this yeah. right here. We got to fill this right here. The church is one body. So many times we want to make it about this. We want to make it about relationships inside the church. We want to all be friends. Everybody have peace. One mind, one accord. And those things are all great and they're biblical things. We should have those things. But the church body should be spelt with a capital B. We forget that so many times. Church body should be spelt with a capital B because of the importance of the body. The emphasis we should put on the body because it's the body of Christ. Yeah, that's right. What are you doing with the body of Christ? And what's holding you up from being where you should be or where you want to be? I'm just talking about you. I'm talking about me. You hit me with this first. We must strengthen this body. All of us together. Yeah. We're all one body. The eyeball, the head, the, the, the fingers, the toes, you all get it. Right. You're all some part of that body. I'm some part of the same body you're part of. We have to strengthen that body. We must strengthen that body. Relationships are great. But what about the walls between us and God? There are walls in the church. That's why we're not spiritually where we want to be at. If you didn't have walls, we build walls up as people. We build walls up because we've been hurt before. Because we don't want to be hurt again. We don't want to look stupid if we fall out on the floor. Are you following me? We build walls up so we're not hurt. What's keeping you from being spiritually where you want to be at? What's keeping you from being spiritually where you know you're supposed to be at? It's the walls. It's the walls. Because we don't want to get hurt. There's walls. We put a wall between us and God. Not just this local church, but the church as a whole. We've built walls between us and God. Are you spiritually where you want to be at? Ask yourself this today. I'm not asking you to answer. Ask yourself, are you spiritually where you want to be at? Are you spiritually where you know you should be at? Everybody should be saying no. Because no one's arrived. If you arrived, you fooled yourself. You've already been deceived if you think you've arrived. None of us are where we should be at. Why not? The ball's in your court. The ball's in my court. It's up to us. There's a few reasons that I came up with, and you may fit these, and you may have some other reason, but I guarantee you right now, you know there's something between you and God that you need to get out of the way. Every single person that can hear me knows there's something, there's a wall there between you and God that has to move. If you want to get to the next level with God, this thing right here has got to go. Yeah, yeah. This thing right here has to take a back seat or maybe completely leave your life. But there's a few reasons that we, that, we, that we keep this wall between us and God. The first one I came up with is you have to consecrate yourself to God. You have to come out from among them and be ye holy. Be ye separate. You have to repent, which means you turn away from what you knew was wrong. You turn away from that thing. You have to submit and then resist. Resist the sin that's still going to come against you. Resist the temptation that's still going to come against you. Submit and resist, or, or repent and resist. Resist distractions. This is my biggest problem right here. I get distracted. My head wants to go everywhere else. It wants to go see the trash truck that's out in the yard. When God Almighty's over here talking to me. You get how silly that looks? A distraction. Your mind wants to go all over the place. We have to resist those distractions. We have to resist discouragement. The enemy would love to jump up on your shoulder and say, You can't do that. You're not good enough. You know what you did before? Those people are looking at you weird. He wants to discourage you. He wants to get you offended. He wants to discourage you. He wants you back out the door because if you come in here and get help and you listen to this bald-headed preacher and you get some help from it and you apply it to your life, things are going to change. Yeah. 
not just me, any preacher that's preaching the Word of God, but things are going to change for you because when you apply the Word of God, God knows what He's talking about. Yes. Those things will begin to manifest in your life. But whatever's between us and God, we've got to get rid of that. Yeah. We've got to get rid of that. If it's, if it's you need to consecrate yourself to God, then you need to do that today. You need to consecrate yourself today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until you go home because it's too embarrassing to drag it out of here in front of everybody because you won't do it when you get there. We've been waiting all these months, all these years for you to get this done, and it still ain't done, so let's get it done right now today before we leave here. Right? It's kind of like when you go to the, cold, to the doctor with a cold. I just ask him to give me a shot. Let's go ahead and get the ball rolling. Don't give me all those pills. I'm going to forget half of them anyway. Just give me the shot. Let's get it done and over with and, and, and get on path where we're supposed to be. So the second thing I come up with the reason that you, you would not be, uh, the thing that be between you and God is forgiveness. Mm, yeah. Forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself. And I'm not going to go deep into any of these things, but, but if the shoe fits, put it on. You have to forgive yourself. Some of you need to forgive God. Some of you need to forgive others. Let it go. It's like that song that my girls used to sing all the time when that on and Elsa were popular. Let it go. I wish Grace was here. She could bust out a song for you. But let it go. Whether it's you you're mad at, God, you haven't forgiven yourself for what you've done, maybe you don't even realize it. Let it go. It's holding you back. It's standing between you and God. You can't even make an offering to God if your brother has ought against you. That's right. Are you following me? Yeah. Let it go. Put it down today before you leave here. Maybe you don't know how to. Ask God. Ask God. He does know how to. Yeah. He can do it. <clears throat> rest in the Lord is the third one I got. You need, we need to learn to rest in the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know why? Because they're not figuring out on their self. Yeah. They're not trying to learn how they can do it. They're relying on God Amen. and His Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them and give them the strength. Isn't that what we should look like, church? We should learn to rely on God. We're so busy doing everything for ourselves. We're juggling everything. We've put a wall. Life happens sometimes. It happens to me all the time. My biggest problem is time management. But it puts an obstacle between me and God. It does. When I'm not spending the time with God, I should be. But instead, I'm figuring things out on my own. It puts an obstacle between me and Him. God is our refuge. If, God, if you really believe that God was your refuge, you would run to Him. Are you following me? He's our source. You would run to him. If you lived in a place there was a lot of tornadoes at, you would have a cellar. Mm -hmm. Or you'd have a basement. And when you heard that tornado siren going off, what would you do? You wouldn't go play badminton. No, you'd run to that cellar. You'd get all your family and you'd get gathered up and you'd get in that cellar. Now, would you let that cellar get full of water? Would you let a den of snakes live in that cellar? No, you'd take care of that thing. Just like we have to take care of ourselves spiritually. We have to take care of our relationship with God, we have to get those obstacles, those walls from between us and God. <clears throat> Some of us have lost our praise. Some of us have lost our praise. We, we forget to praise God. The Bible says make a joyful noise. It says he inhabits the praise of his people. That's another, another obstacle that gets between people and God. He inhabits the praise of his people. And, and his presence is fullness of joy. We need to praise him through that storm. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. If you find yourself walking around with a scowl on your face all the time, and you're in a bad mood, and you're snippy with people, you need to go spend some time with God. Because the Bible says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. If you don't have joy, you haven't spent enough time with my God. Are you following? I'm talking about obstacles still that get between us and God. In Joshua chapter 6, I'm, I'm not there to get from the scripture, but we're going to read this in just a second. In Joshua chapter 6, though, 
Jericho, that city they went to when they were spies, when, when Joshua and, and Caleb, or Joshua and Caleb went there and they were spies. The city with these big fortified walls, giants living in it. That was the first city that God gave to Joshua to take over. You know that before? I, I, I just thought that this time when I was reading this. This was the first city that he that he that, that God gave them to take back. Now this city, I, I did some reading on this, and archaeologists have, have have excavated this this place where where Jericho would have been at, and it was an eight acre mound. This place is like nine hundred feet below the sea level. So it's hot there all the time. They get very little rain, but there's a mountain there that was eight acres. This is where Jericho would have been at. They, they found the place in the 1950s. You can go read about it. There's been several archaeologists between 1868 and 1958 who, who went there and dug and found different things. But they found this thing, and from the wall that they found on the ground, now picture this. This wall would have been, it was flat, like the Bible says. It fell flat. But this wall, from the amount of material was there, they, they, they estimate this wall was between 30 and 40 feet high. From the ground to the top. And 12 foot wide. The Bible says they used to raise chariots around it. Picture that. A man on the back of a cart with a horse pulling him. At least two of them wide running around there racing on top of the city wall. 30 or 40 feet in the air. How big this place must have been. Well this was built on a hill. So when the Israelites came in. They were looking up a hill to the bottom of the wall. So then put another 30 or 40 feet on top of that. On top of a steep hill. When you're looking up at this thing. All you can see above it is the sky. The clouds. Imagine how big that made that wall look. It, it, it was probably, I'm picturing 20 to 30 feet, tw say 20 feet, higher than, what the, than that 30 to 40 feet that it was. <coughs> so we're talking about a 50 to 70 feet tall wall when you're standing up next to it. You're looking straight up in the air, and all you can see is the blue sky and the clouds. It looks insurmountable. There's giants up on top of it. Think about how bad that looked, how bad the situation looked. But that was the first one that gave them to take back. First, the first city they gave to take back. So even though there were giants and walls and it looked insurmountable, they did something that was pretty rather odd because God had them to do this, but they had the priests lead the charge. Think about this. Not armed men, not army, not the navy, not their, not their men of war, I'm saying, but the priests. Church. Shouldn't the priest be leading the church today? Shouldn't the church be getting behind the priest and applying the things that he's preaching to them as long as it's biblical, applying those things in life? And it doesn't matter how tall the wall is. It doesn't matter how big the giants look at that time. Are you following me? The, the priest led this charge, though. Um, it looked insurmountable, though, but, but they didn't know yet that those giants were afraid of the God they were serving. That's big right there. I just bought this this time, too, though. Those giants that are up there that look so big and insurmountable, they were afraid of the God that the Israelites were serving. They'd already heard what they'd done to the rest of the people. Yeah. Are you following? Just like whatever that wall is that's between you and God, it's afraid of God, too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to look insurmountable to you. All you got to do is be obedient to God. Amen. God will call. What happened to that wall? What happened to that wall? That wall fell flat, it says. We're going to read that here in a little bit. But I was praying and fasting here on Wednesday, and I was sitting right there where Sister Lish is at on the first row of the back section. And, and I was fasting to train my flesh because, like I told you, time management is terrible with me. My mind goes all over the place. I have 40 things I'm thinking about all the time. Are you following me? Anybody else like that? Oh, yeah. A lot of things are going through my mind. I'm trying to pray, but this and this and that is, is, is plaguing me. So the Spirit revealed to me. I was telling my mind, shut up, mind. Just shut up and get behind me. You're not doing this right now. I'm not going to eat today until God releases me to eat. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm doing this to train you. You're going to shut up and you're going to leave me alone. And I'm going to hear from God today. So the Spirit revealed to me, are you spiritually where you want to be? 
Are you spiritually where you should be? The same thing I said to you earlier. Folks, we've barely scratched the surface. We have barely scratched the surface of what God's given us to be spiritually. Of what God's given us to, to do spiritually. I might not be the most elegant speaker, but it's not about what I can get done. It's not about me. It's about what he will do if we're obedient. What he wants to do in your lives today if you'll just be obedient. <clears throat> Imagine standing there that day looking up at that cloud, at, at, the, at that thing. It must look like it went to the sky. That wall must, must look like it went to the sky. But it's not about what they could do. It's about what God could do. God already had instilled fear in those giants' hearts. They were utterly defeated already. Can you imagine when all their defenses fell down flat to the ground? What they thought when they were already in fear of these people? They were on their heels. They were ready to run already. Israel went over and easily took them over, put everything to the sword, killed everything in there. Because of the fear that God instilled in their heart. Those things that are plaguing us today. God says we have authority over anything with a name, doesn't he? In 2 Peter. says you have authority over everything with a name. So those things are already afraid of the name of Jesus. Just like those giants were that day. I hope you get the revelation of this I got of this. It's not about what they could do, though. It's about what God wants to do to break down spiritual walls. God wants to break down spiritual walls in your life today. But he needs your obedience. He needs your obedience. And here's what we're going to do. And this, oh, yeah, give me the scripture. So, so the people shouted. They walked around this wall six times. Everybody knows about the Jericho March, right? They walked around the wall. The God told them to walk around the wall six times, and he said, don't say a word. Don't talk. Don't speak. Because he knew they'd be speaking negative things against themselves when they're sitting there looking at how tall this wall was. Are you following me? So on the seventh day, they shouted. It's like, it's like what God prescribed for them to do. It says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard of the sound of the trumpet. And the, and the people shouted with a great shout that the, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They took the city easily. And here's what God gave me to do this week. We need to break down some spiritual walls, am I right? Everybody has something between you and God. Every one of you. Every one of you, including myself. I had to do this already, and I felt really awkward doing it. And you're going to feel really awkward doing this. But I'm asking you to play along with me. And we're going to sing a song a cappella called When the Saints Come Marching In. Remember that song? Yeah. I only know a few verses of it. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody's going to get a line. We're going to do a come march. Come around the front altar right here. Go around there to the back where Sister Pam is at. Come around there and back around here. 